Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. And it's a great day to be alive because we are getting closer and closer to the Resurrection Sunday, celebrating Easter. And I want to invite you to Hickory Ridge Community Church on April 9th, Easter Sunday. We're doing a 7 o'clock service, an 8.30 service, and an 11 o'clock service and then at 9.45, if you have children, bring them along. We're going to do an Easter egg hunt. So it's going to be a fun-filled Easter. And the most important thing that happens on that Sunday, we celebrate Jesus rising again from the dead. So please join us on Easter Sunday. Well, today, we're going to be talking about kindness undeserved. We're going to be looking at the story of Jacob and Esau. It's a fascinating story. That's found in Genesis chapter 32. So I'll be teaching that section uh, today. And I'm so excited about this campaign. And the great thing about this kindness campaign is when you think about kindness, it is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that we can gen up on our own strength. It is something that the Lord gives us the ability to do because it is a Spirit-driven gift. So we're going to be looking at kindness that is unearned. Let's look at the first, okay? The first we're talking about uh, the kindness that we see in the Old Testament and all these characters that we're looking at is found in the Old Testament, the kindness of Jacob and the kindness that he had toward his brother Esau. Well, before we go too far, as I put together this message, there's several things that kind of jump out at me. One is that we we haven't had a really good campaign on kindness, and so the reason we're doing our own teaching on this segment is I couldn't really find a good curriculum that covers this subject of kindness. But I want you to know, as we look at the story of the kindness of Jacob to his brother Esau, it almost sounds like it's contradictory because uh, Jacob's name means supplanter, and he's a deceiver. So you're looking at him and say, he's a picture of kindness. Well, we're going to learn some lessons about him today, some takeaways. And I want you to know before we go too far in this study, you know, there are really no exceptionally good families in the Bible. You could even broaden that. When you think about it, every family, no matter how good a family may be, they have uh, their individuals that are part of their family that are not exceptional. And so I want you to know that you may be looking at your family and say, man, I don't know where my family's coming from. My family doesn't know Christ. Uh, how am I going to exhibit kindness to my family uh, when they reject Christ, they reject me, they reject my faith? I want you to know that today's lesson will help you to reach out to those who may be antagonistic toward your faith. But before we go too far, there was a study that was done, and this was an amazing study. They wanted to find out which state in the United States is the kindest state. Well, they narrowed it down to 10. But you know, number one, the kindest state in the United States is Kentucky. Uh, yeah, that kind of blew my mind, right? Uh, Kentucky. So if you're from Kentucky, you are from the kindest state in the United States. So congratulations. Now, the second kindest state was New Mexico. Uh, the third kindest state was Oklahoma. The fourth kindest state was Georgia. The fifth kindest state was North Dakota. Number six was Alaska. Number seven, now this one really blew my mind. Number seven was New Hampshire. 
All my brothers and sisters that live up there in New England, uh, New Hampshire made number seven. And then Missouri, the show me state, uh, was number seven as far as being kindness. And then West Virginia made the list. And then Wyoming. These are the top 10 states, the top kindest states within the United States. So when we think about this subject of kindness and what we're covering, I want you to spend a little bit of time reading Genesis chapter 32. Now, in Genesis chapter 32, we're going to have the message kind of set on Sunday for what you're going to learn this week, but I'm entitling our lesson this week, Kindness That is Undeserved. Kindness That is Undeserved. Jacob and Esau are the twins that just couldn't get along. Oh, I know you know the story, but let's define really what kindness is. Kindness comes from that same root word that we have our word grace, which is unmerited favor. Now, we are most kind when we're most grateful, and grateful people are kind people. But as I said to you just a moment ago, when we look at the scriptures, there's really no exemplary families. Not a single family is portrayed as this is how you ought to have your family live. Now, we have a lot of biblical truth that is given to us about what we should do about raising our children, but we don't have one family that we could say, well, just do what that family does, and you'll have a a successful family. I mean, even after all, when you think about when God created Adam and Eve, they were perfect. They lived in a perfect environment, and they messed up. So if you're feeling like you have fallen short in your responsibilities as a parent or a grandparent, don't let your heart be troubled. Realize that God doesn't expect you to be accountable for what happens to your children. God expects you to be accountable for how you try to instruct them. And so as we look at the story of Jacob and Esau, this is a fascinating story of twins. And these two twins were told ahead of time that God was going to use them in a very special way. Now, before we look at seven lessons that we can learn from the life of Jacob and his kindness to Esau, I want to look at a New Testament passage. This would kind of be the key verse for this week, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 7. Paul is writing, and he says that in order that the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in a kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So this verse, Paul is talking, and he's reminding us that the reason that we came to a saving knowledge of Christ is because Christ expressed himself in kindness. The kindness of Christ was expressed to us. And so I said just a moment ago, we are most kind when we are most grateful. So if you're struggling today to be kind, really your struggle is not learning to be kind. Your struggle is really with the attitude of not having an attitude of gratitude. You're not thankful for what God has given to you. Listen, when you have uh, just a moment and you pause and you thank God for everything that he has done, you can't help but be kind to others because you are living up in praise for all that God has done for you. Paul tells us that sin doesn't have to have a reign in us. It doesn't have to master us. We're not under law, but we're under grace. In other words, we're under the kindness of God, those who are followers of Christ. So let's look at the story of Esau and Jacob. Kindness lessons that we learn 
from Jacob. Now, I'm not going to take a time to read a lot of this chapter. I'm going to pull out some verses, but I do really want to encourage you to look at the overall chapter of Genesis chapter 32. We begin, verse number one, and it says that Jacob also went on his way, and the angel of God met him. When Jacob saw him, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahamam. And now this is an interesting part of the story. Now, Jacob and Esau had been born. We're fast forwarding the story. You know, when Jacob was born, he was actually the second born, but he grabbed on the heel of Esau. And as he is born, Esau was first born, Jacob was second, or they were twins. Now, Esau, because he was born first, should have received a double blessing. That's how it was in biblical times. The firstborn would receive a double blessing. But we see something interesting happens. Jacob grabs onto the heel of Esau, and Jacob is going to actually take the birthright from Esau. You know the story, right? One day, Esau is famished, right? He's out there hunting, and and he's starving to death. And so he comes home, and he says to Jacob, give me some of that pottage because I am starving to death. And what does Jacob do? He was slick, right? Jacob says, I tell you what, I will give you some pottage because I know you're hungry. Under one condition, you give me the right of the blessing. You consider me the firstborn. And as a result, Jacob steals the blessing. We're going to fast forward the story. We discover that Jacob uh, was blessed by his father with a double blessing. Esau is feeling like he's left out. And Jacob now is older. Esau is now older. And Jacob seems to have a change in his life. Now, in Genesis chapter 32, Uh, We see at the end of the chapter where Jacob wrestles with the Lord, okay, which kind of plays into the story of how he changed, right? He was no longer going to be called a supplanter, but he's going to be called Israel, okay? He had a change of heart and has a change in his nature. So let's see how this kindness plays out in the story of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, we discover that two of the guys are going to come together. These two brothers are going to come together. And Jacob is kind of worried about that, okay? So Jacob sends messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau. And basically, he's sending these messengers out as a way of instructing them, uh, or rather to, to gain information as to where Esau is and what Esau is up to. And so the messengers say to Esau, in essence, and I'm paraphrasing here, we're going to come see you. Jacob wants to come see you. And, uh, and this is what you're to say to my Lord Esau. Jacob says this, I've been staying with Laban. So the messengers go on and they say to Esau, I've been staying with Laban. That's his, Jacob's father-in-law. He says, I've been staying with Laban and I'm remaining with him. That's where I am right now. He says, I have cattle. I have donkeys. I have goats. I have male and female servants. And he says, I'm sending you this message, my Lord so that I may find favor in your eyes. Now, Jacob gives a hint here as to the fact that he wants to bless Esau, and he wants to be kind to Esau because God has been kind to him. This is probably because Jacob knew that he had stolen Esau's birthright, and he's trying to pave the way to restore this relationship. So here's the lessons that we learn uh, during this time. Number one is that kindness smooths the path 
of strained relationships. You know, extensive damage was done to this relationship. I mean, this is like unforgivable stuff, right? We're thinking that these two brothers will never be reconciled because of what Jacob did to Esau. They had become connected no longer through love, but they were actually arch enemies or arch enemies, right? You know, that word arch is an interesting word. That word arch is talking about a chief or a main support of a building. So when we think of an arch enemy, uh, we think of uh, an arch nemesis. Uh, We're talking about two people who mutually despise each other. In the story of Jacob and Esau, they mutually hated one another. Uh, As a matter of fact, that was what their relationship was built on. Uh, They were twins. They were biologically brothers, but they were held together by a mutual hatred for each other. When Jacob stole Esau's birthright, Uh, Jacob appears like he got away with it, but he's now living with a lot of resentment and a lot of guilt. As a matter of fact, there's so much friction between these two brothers that it seems like it's irreconcilable. As a matter of fact, some of it is actually prophetic. Did you know that Obadiah writes about this conflict between Jacob and Esau? Here it is, Obadiah 1.18. It says that Jacob will be a fire, and Joseph a flame, Esau will be stubble, and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. So because of this prophecy, we discover that Esau, which later became the Edomites, uh, they would try to rebuild, but God says they're going to be a stubble that is set on fire. I'm going to destroy them. There's going to be no survivors of Esau. Uh, So today we know there are no Edomites. They have gone extinct. Well, when we look at the story of Jacob and Esau, you know, fueling unkindness would not bring about anything good. Uh, Jacob also knew that kindness was what he needed to kind of smooth things over with his brother. So the first point that we learned about kindness is that kindness often will smooth over things for the beginning of a new relationship with somebody. Here's the second lesson that we learn. Kindness opens doors that appear to be closed. It was Joseph Witherin who said, kindness is a passport that opens doors and fashions friends. It softens hearts and it molds relationships that can last a lifetime. Don't you love that? Here we see that this kindness that Jacob shows to Esau is actually opening up some doors that appeared to be forever shut. Genesis 32, verse number 6, it says, When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. Well, it appears uh, that the kindness worked, right? The kindness of these messengers going to see uh, Esau seems to be working, and, and Esau now says he's coming to meet with Jacob. But Jacob naturally is concerned because these 400 men that are coming with Esau, uh, these are fighting men. Now, notice the text doesn't say 400 men, their wives, and children. It only mentions the men. Uh, so Jacob put one and one together, and he says, I think what he's sending here to me is his army. 
Uh, they're not coming to, to befriend me. They're probably coming trying to destroy me. They're coming to fight with me. Well, we learn from Jacob that kindness can open up these closed doors, but it might not open and it might not help with these wounds. We don't know how that's going to respond just yet in the story, but that kind of leads me to the third point of Jacob's kindness. Thirdly, we see that sometimes our kindness must be guarded. And we see this in verse number four. Now, when we're thinking about being kind to people, some people have no understanding and no experience on how to respond to kindness. They are so hurtful, they are so bitter, that when we try to be kind to them, they don't even know how to respond to that, right? We say things like, well, hurt people, hurt people. But I want you to know there's something else that we must remember. Healed people, heal people. And we're seeing here in this story that Jacob is trying to bring healing to a broken relationship. Jacob is fearful, right? He's guarded with his kindness. And he makes a quick move to prepare himself and to prepare his family to have this potential battle with Esau. So he's wise in how he's responding. You know, he has a, uh, he's following some good military strategy, and that is to divide and conquer. And even in the midst of being kind, Jacob is guarded. And what does he do? He divides his army into two parts, and they move out in two different directions. Now, the reason they're doing this is because if Esau comes with these 400 men and he attacks one part, well, the other part can escape and offer help. We see this in Genesis chapter 32, verse number 7. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. So here we see, uh, maybe this is where Ronald Reagan had his mindset of trust, <laughs> but verify. That's an interesting statement, is it? Uh, we're going to trust, which is actually a Russian proverb uh, that may have come from the story of Jacob and Esau. I'm not sure of its, of its origin, but see, this proverb is that, that you trust, but you verify. I'm going to trust. Jacob saying, I'm going to trust my brother Esau, but I'm going to verify this kindness. It's going to be a guarded kindness. So when you think about kindness, kindness is mercy and grace in action. You know, that's not easy to give, and it's sometimes not easy to receive. So kindness in this part of the story is guarded in the sense of using wisdom. It's, it's not kindness that is given with reservations. It's kindness that is using discernment and wisdom. It's the same sense that we're, we're using when we prepare our will. I, I hope that you have a will, because one day uh, you're going to be finished your journey here on this earth, and you want to make sure that you have laid out what you want, uh, your influence, and what you want, your wealth, and whatever you leave behind. Uh, you want to be able to pass that along. And I'd want to encourage you, be kind, right? Have you ever thought about leaving money to your church so that the church can continue on past your life? And I have. I've got in my will that a certain amount of, of my resources uh, is going to go to Hickory Ridge Community Church. So all five dollars of what's left over, right? I'm just kidding. But I want to bless my church even when I'm gone. You know, there's two things in life that will outlive you, your family and your church. And so be generous to your family. Be generous to your church. Well, let's continue back on our story here, okay? 
We see that Jacob was also kind to his brother, and he was praying that his kindness would be appropriately received. Now we got to look at verses 9 through 12 to get this, right? Uh, Let's go ahead and read that text, okay? Genesis chapter 32, beginning at verse number 9, Jacob prayed. Isn't this wonderful? As we're being kind to people, we should pray that our kindness is appropriately received. Jacob prayed, O God, my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am afraid that he will come and he'll attack me and also the mothers and their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So here we see Jacob is praying that his kindness that he's offering to his brother will be well received. Jacob prays that, that, that this kindness would be accepted. You see, Jacob knew his background. He knew his reputation. In the eyes of Esau, Jacob was the swindler. And so Jacob has a little bit of fear that he was going to receive some revenge from Esau. So he prays. And he wants his brother to see the change that he has experienced. Well, here's the fifth step, okay? The fifth act of kindness that we see in Jacob. And that is that kindness is a gift that is given generously. The word kindness and stinginess cannot be found in the same sentence. In Genesis chapter 32, we see that Jacob spends the night there, and he's got a gift for his brother Esau. And here's the gift. The Bible actually lists the gifts that are there for Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys, and he put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and he said to his servants, go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. And so here, this is a generous gift that Jacob is offering Esau. You see, Jacob needs to show he's not coming to demand anything. He's coming to offer up a gift to his brother. Well, I've got two more points that I've got to cover quickly, okay? And I know our time is, is running out. Here's point number six. We see that kindness can soothe over anger. Proverbs says, a kind answer turns away wrath. There's been many times that I've been in a heated situation, and I remember one time my wife and I, we were going back and forth, and it was getting a little heated. And finally, she caught me, right? Have you ever been in a situation that you had no way to respond? And she got me, right? I had no response, and I don't know what to say. And so I said, oh yeah, oh yeah, I love you. And that's all I knew what to say. And that was the end of the argument. You see, kindness can indeed soothe over anger. I want you to know, Proverbs tells us that that kindness can turn away wrath. 
And then last, number seven. I wish I had a little more time to develop some of these points, but kindness is really humility in action. Verse number 20 and 21 says that Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him. His kind gifts to his brother went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night at camp. So the kind gift went ahead of Jacob, and then Jacob was going to meet with his brother the next day. Verse number 30, so Jacob called that place Penuel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. This is a fascinating part of Genesis chapter 32, where Jacob wrestles with what he thinks is an angel, but it's actually a Christophany. It's Christ taking on the form of an angel, and Jacob wrestles with this angel all night and commands that the angel blesses him. And when God sees that persistence in the life of Jacob, he is indeed blessed. Well, my time is up. My prayer for you this week is that you will put kindness into action. And that you're not going to be kind to people for what you get out of that. But you're going to be kind to people because God has been so kind to you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557. Or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.